when you come to a Torah class, and you come to a Hasidic gathering, everyone has something else in mind. My grandfather, Alava Shalom, Rabbi Fogelman, he was once giving a class right before Yom Kippur, and he was talking about Teshuvah, he was talking about returning to Hashem, Kulkosha to Hashem. And um, and I after I think we have a fly problem. At the end of the class, one of the plagues. <laughs> at the end of the class, one guy goes over to him and he says, "Rabbi, I think you were talking about me. And I want you to know that the issues you raised, I'm concerned about them. I know about them." Then another guy comes over to him and says, Rabbi, the class you gave, I want you to know, I know you're talking about me, but I want you to know, I, I know about these issues, and I'm working on them. Every single guy at the class came over to him and said, I know you're talking about me, but they had a reason why, why this, why that. The truth is that what, what brings people often to a Torah class or to a Fabrengen is because we feel in ourselves we have something, we have some, something higher in ourselves, and we feel we just need, we need something to help bring it out. We don't know what it is. We're hoping we come to a class, we come to a fabric that will help us bring out what it is. And the question is, how do you actually reveal, bring out inside yourself that, that inner goodness that you have, that everyone is born with? How do you discover your personal spiritual mission? How do you bring out the, um, the, 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 your soul and, and, your, and find your purpose? How do you do it? So there's a promise that God gives us in the Torah. He says that the end of the exile, before Mashiach comes, the Shemata Bakola, every Jew will return to Hashem, will hear God's voice. At the end of the exile, we're all going to hear God's voice. Hashem tells us that the name of this week's Torah portion is Nitzavim. Nitzavim means to stand strong, that we're going to be able to be, maintain our integrity and come back to who we are. That's a promise of the Torah. A little bit, we run away from ourselves. We run away from ourselves, all different kinds of things. But Hashem promises us that we'll be able to run away. We'll go instead of running away from ourselves, we'll go to come back. That's what teshuva means. Teshuva means going back to who you are. There's a beautiful teaching from the Gita Kodesh of Pshishch. If you can pronounce Pshishch, you will lose your American passport. Pshishch. The Gita Kodesh of Pshishch said this. Says in the Torah, you will. You will seek Hashem, you will look for Hashem from there, and you will find Him because you looked for Him with all your heart and soul. He said that when Hashem puts something in the Torah, everything Hashem puts in the Torah, it's a promise. Hashem signs His name on it, this is for sure going to happen. So when Hashem tells us, if you will ask for me, if you will look for me, you'll for sure find me. There's no such thing as a Jew looking for Hashem and not finding Him. Hashem promises us, if you look, you'll for sure find But where should you look for Him? Where do you look for Hashem? What does the Torah say? Look for Him. You know where to look for Him? No, I'm just saying, I'm still looking. So ah, you know interesting. Where I can look. Yeah. So interesting. Hashem says, look for Him from there. There means exactly where you are. Where you think, I'm so far because I can't do this mistake I keep on making because all these failures. Josh, you know the difference between trying and triumph? What's the difference between try and triumph? You know the difference? A little oomph, a little oomph, a little oomph. That's the difference between trying and triumph. So that's what—that's the source 
of all the negative things in ourselves, all the problems that we have, all the issues or mistakes we keep on making again and again, where does it come from? It comes from holiness. That's actually this, the key to our connection to Hashem. The thing that we're failing in, the thing that we're making a mistake in, that's actually the key to our greatness. That's a key to our, to our mission in life. If you find you're failing in something, it's because that's that thing that you're, you're challenged by, that's uniquely something that is that will catapult you to a, to a higher place you need to be. So let's look at this from through the story, a famous story about the, one of the first stories in the Talmud about someone who returned to God. I want to tell you this, this story a little deeper than you may have heard it before. The teaching that Arizal, but stories you all heard before. The story of Rabbi Akiva. You all know the Talmud says Rabbi Yochanan says that all the teachings of the Oral Torah they all come from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva. Every time you see a Mishnah, doesn't say who the author is, the Talmud says Rabbi Meir said it. If you see a Sifra, you don't know who said it, Rabbi Huda said it. But both the Sifra and the Mishnah all come from Rabbi Akiva. Everything's from Rabbi Akiva. Moshe Rabbeinu, before he passed away, Hashem showed him the future. One of the things he saw was Rabbi Akiva. And he, Rabbi Akiva was giving a class, and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know, didn't understand this class. It was, he was able to reveal such deep teachings that even Moshe Rabbeinu didn't, didn't, didn't know about it. It was in the Torah, but it was so deep within it that only Rabbi Akiva was able to reveal this. So who was this Rabbi Akiva, and how did he achieve this greatness? So there was a man in the time of Rabbi Akiva whose name was Kalba Savua. Kalba Savua means full dog. Full dog. That means full dog. Why, why call someone full dog? It doesn't seem like it's such a great title to call someone. The reason is, is because when you, you went to his house, you came hungry as a dog, but you left his house, you came, you were full. He was, a, he was a billionaire, he was the rich man in town, and he had a daughter, Rachel. He wasn't just rich, he was very kind. People who are hungry and poor, it's not just they, they need to have food, they need to have attention too. When you left his house, you felt full spiritually as well. You felt really good. You felt good. You didn't just feel like, like uh, you, you weren't hungry anymore, you felt like someone cared about you. So he had a, a beautiful daughter, was beautiful inside and outside. Her name was Rachel. And everyone wanted to marry Rachel. She was beautiful, spiritually and physically, but besides being beautiful, she also, her father was a billionaire. It didn't hurt, right? <laughs> the people wanted to marry her. But who did she want to marry? She met this man, Abiy Akiva, who was over 40. He was divorced. He had one son, or according to other opinions, he had several children. And he was not the kind... And she said, I'll marry you on condition that you dedicate yourself to study Torah. She saw something in him. She had to tell him this condition because he wasn't into Torah. In fact, Rabbi Kiva said, if you give me someone who studies Torah, someone who knows Torah, you know what I'll do to him? I will bite him like a donkey. Why bite him like a donkey? Why not bite him like a dog? Bite him Why like a donkey? The difference between the way a dog bites and when a donkey bites is when a donkey bites, a donkey bites also... The bones, the bones. A dog only bites the flesh. Here, Josh, a donkey bites bites the bones. The Kiva said, if you give me someone who keeps Torah, someone who's knowledgeable in Torah, I'll bite them like a donkey when I bite their bones. What that means spiritually is, I, don't, I hate their essence. I hate their very core. And this was this person that Rachel wanted to marry. On condition that he would study Torah, what did she see in him? She must have seen something very special. And reason I, I learned Torah for a girl. She was telling me I married, she married me, she's gorgeous. I probably learned Torah. Okay, so, so what did Rachel, who was Rachel? Who was this, this, this Rachel? So Rachel, 
she was actually a reincarnation of the wife of Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Jacob, his wife's name was also Rachel. And she had this vision that no one else did. She had saw it so vividly, so clearly, so obviously, that she was ready to do things no one else would do. She not only was Rabbi Kiva 40 and divorced and and she was so well off and he was so poor, she was a shepherd. Besides all that, he was also his lineage. His father what his father was a convert to Judaism, and he wouldn't have any prestigious lineage. And she and she and she was and he hated Torah scholars. What what she realized was that there's something this hatred actually comes from something deeper. Today in Israel you find a lot of people that hate religious people. Do you hate Chinese people? Do you hate... You don't hate them. They don't, they don't, I mean, you're not connected to them. Maybe you're not friends with so many Chinese people. You don't know so many Chinese people. You don't hate them. But in Israel, there's a hatred to religious people. Why does a, why, where does the hatred come from? The hatred comes from... Yes, the hatred comes from... Because there's, there's a connection. The connection is what causes the hatred. Because you feel connected and you're disappointed... Because you expected something else, that's that because you're bound with it. Because it's not because you're indifferent. It, let there be Torah scholars. You do your thing, let them do their thing. No, you're bothered. Why are you bothered? Bekiva Rachel said, Why is this guy, why is he like Torah scholars? Why not, Bekiva? Why do you hate the Torah scholars? What, what about the Torah scholars bothers you? Rabbi Din Steinsaltz, of Shalom, he was once giving this, this Torah class in his college. And he met someone in the college, another professor. And he invited the professor to come to his class. He says, what's your class about? My class is about Shabbat. Shabbat. You don't want me to come to your class. He says, why not? He says, because you know what I do on Shabbat? On Shabbat, I make sure to eat chuk. I make sure to eat ham on Shabbat. So you obviously don't think I belong in your class, do you? What do you say to such a thing? What do you say to such a thing? I eat ham on Shabbat, only on Shabbat. So Rish Steinzalt says, you eat ham on Shabbat. You obviously feel, feel connected to Shabbat. You don't eat ham on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. You specifically eat the ham on Shabbat. So you feel connected to Shabbat and that your connection is by eating ham. My connection to Shabbat is by baking Kiddush. But we both feel this connection to Shabbat. The Torah says that there are certain situations where if someone does not know Torah... Uh, they're not trusted with various holy objects, and if they touch them, they're gonna, you can't eat them anymore. So Kiva is outraged. These Torah scholars don't respect people. They, they don't have... They, they're supposed to keep this Torah. They're supposed to keep a higher principle. They're supposed to keep things on a high new level, on a higher level, and yet, they don't respect people. That's what bothered him. So Rachel says, oh, he really... He doesn't know about it, but he's really connected to Torah. It bothers him so much that people don't keep Torah to the level that he, that, that he thought the Torah deserves. Torah deserves to have people who keep it, that they should have respect for people. Says, that, that's, what, that's what made him so angry. So she saw in him this caring for Torah. And that's what led her to say to him, I will marry you, but on condition you study Torah. So she marries him. And her father said, you want to have a penny from me? Until you let go of this guy, I, not not one penny. They lived together, and they were very poor. They didn't have any. They didn't have. Any, it, it took an extreme. They lived poverty, like poverty in the old, day, old days. And then she left him for another guy with money. 
Actually, actually, it's worse than that. Worse. Let's hear it. That's worse. After she's married, she sends her husband. Actually, we had it. You're going to study Torah, of course. Okay. He goes with her son to study Torah. And who does he study? But he doesn't know any Torah. So where does he start from? What do we study together, Josh? Alphabet. The alphabet. Alphabet. So he studies alphabet with a bunch of three-year-olds, two-year-olds, four-year-olds. And it's very embarrassing. What do, what, what do you do when you see this 40-year-old man sitting next to three-year-olds? It's very embarrassing. So he These comes days home. you say something else. Huh? These days you say something else. What do you say? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so he's very embarrassed. And he comes home and he tells his wife, I'm done. I'm not going back. What would you say? What, what, would a, what would a normal person say? A normal person would say, you're not going back? You know what I did for you? You know how much I gave up for you? Just because you're going to say you're going to study Torah? I gave my whole life up. I gave my family up. I gave my, I gave my, my luxuries up. I gave my whole life just so you could study Torah and you'll come one day and you don't study Torah and you don't, you don't feel comfortable? You don't get... She did something else. She, does, she, does, she, does some, she did something that's very wise that every husband and wife could learn from. If, the, if husbands and wives would learn what she did, life would be a lot better. We would not create so many problems, but we would also solve a lot of problems. You know what she did? She was quiet. <laughs> silence quiet. Silence is a very, very great, great power. It's a very great power. She says to her husband, let's go, let's go together, let's travel together. But she didn't travel together like young couples just get married, get travel, it wasn't the honeymoon kind of trip. Let's go together on a donkey. And on top of the donkey, she put some sand and she put some uh, plants. So they're, they're traveling, and what do people say? They're laughing. Who are these people traveling with a donkey with sand on it, with a plant on it? What do you try to like, grow something inside the donkey? What, what are you guys doing? And they laughed. They did it a second day. Same thing happened. People laugh and laugh and laugh. They did it the third day. What are you doing? Oh, just whatever. We put this on top of the donkey. No one said anything. So she was telling her husband, people laugh, but eventually whoever laughs last, laughs best. Don't worry, people. People stop laughing. Do, do what you need to do you. Don't worry what everyone else says. And sure enough, Rabbi Kiva is incredibly successful in the study of Torah. So successful, as I mentioned before, that he, as she saw in him, that he's able to reveal secrets of Torah that even Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know. So, what does that have to do with with our uh, subject over here? We want to discover our own goodness and our own greatness and the greatness of other people. The Torah says this, judge every person favorably. Judge everyone favorably. But that's an unusual expression. Why not, not don't judge anybody? Instead of judging everyone favorably, why are you seeing the seat of judgment in, uh, 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 all the time? Don't judge anybody. Instead of judge everyone favorably, there's a similar teaching in the Talmud which we understand. Similar teaching, teaching in the Talmud is don't judge one. Don't, if, you, if you want to judge someone, don't judge them until you're in their place. That makes sense. Like Yankel comes to Shul and he sees there's two kinds of cups. There's styrofoam cups and there's plastic cups. And the styrofoam cups, it says in the sign, only use styrofoam cups for hot drinks, only use plas- pla- plastic cups for the cold drinks and use only the styrofoam cups only for having a hot drink. So, Shmerel comes to Shul, he looks at the sign, takes a styrofoam cup, and has a cup of water. And Beryl comes over and says, what are you doing? You're stealing from the synagogue. Why are you you're reading the sign? Why in the world would you do this? 
He says, listen, doesn't the Torah say you're supposed to judge people favorably? What favorably? You're taking a styrofoam cup and you're using a driving cup of water. He says, listen, I came from outside. I'm very, very thirsty. I want to have a coffee. Before having a coffee, I want to have a cup of cold water first. So why should I take the, the, the cold cup and a hot cup? I'll take one cup, a cold, a hot cup, and I'll have first, I'll have a cup of water, and then I'll have, and then I'll have a coffee. So, of course, you have to be careful before, before judging someone. But the Torah says, act, oh Josh, I want to tell you then, I'll let you go. Five minutes, we're done. The Torah says more than that. The Torah says, judge people favorably. Go out and judge them. What for? What, what does it even mean? You're supposed to lie to yourself? You know the person did something wrong. Was to judge them favorably? You know they did something wrong. Why is it to judge them favorably? They're, they're doing something which is wrong, and you know it's wrong. What does it mean to judge them favorably? Go out. What does it mean? The answer is this: In order for anyone to learn from anything from anyone, the the person who is teaching you has to believe in you. Rachel believed in Rabbi Akiva. She saw what others did not see. Because she saw what, what this in him, that's why he became Rabbi Akiva. Many years later. She meets Rabbi Kiva with his students, and his students were like block, blocking the way, and he told the students to move out of the way, my Torah and your Torah is all from her. On the surface, he was just saying, you know, she helped me, she pushed me to study Torah. But it's much more than pushing. Many people are pushed to study Torah, it doesn't work. It wasn't that she pushed him, it's much deeper than that. She believed in him. She knew that he had this in him, and because she believed in him, she brought it out in him. In a similar way, if we want to talk to our our children want to talk to someone, anyone, about what they need to do. It might be something that's a very sensitive topic or not. You could talk about anything. Before you do, you have to concentrate and see their goodness, to see, to see their merit. And doesn't, you're not lying to yourself. Why? When God made the world, well, what does the Torah say? There was darkness covering the face of the deep, and then God said, let there be light. Where do you find your light? Your light always is from the place of darkness. Your light always comes from the challenge. You can't reach the greatest light only by overcoming the challenge. I mean, light and darkness are opposite. It's like it's like the planets. The planets are all created are all where they are because if two planets are pulling in different directions, right? The gravity of two planets pulling in two different directions. So that's what keeps them up 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 where they are. In a similar way, it's it's the challenges which pulls in different directions that actually put us in the stars, put us where we need to be. The, the people of Chelm, you heard of Chelm, Josh? People of Chelm were known to be very wise. People made a lot of jokes about them because they were jealous. They made they're very foolish. So the people of Chelm had this argument: What has greater light, the sun or the moon? They argue about this for a long, long time. What do you think, Josh? Sun or the moon? The sun. The sun. Obviously, it took them two years, and they came to the conclusion the opposite. They said the moon. Why? It's a big deal. The sun shines during the day when it's bright. The moon shines at night. That's something special. <laughs> the point is this a God does not give take it in the, on the army who has a harder task in the army the better soldier if you see someone making a mistake <laughs> it's not that they that they don't have greater gifts and that's why they're making a mistake it's because they have greater gifts it's not that they didn't make a mistake they made a mistake Torah says judge someone favorably doesn't mean that you don't see the mistake. They made a mistake, but you should know if they have this mistake, if they have this challenge, it means something in them that could could overcome this challenge. They have something in them that's beyond. That's why they're given this challenge. And that's what Torah means. You should look for Hashem from there, exactly where you are in the circumstances that you're in. That's how you... This is what 
makes the, the shluchim, Chabad shluchim, successful. Many people say, you know what, we know what touched me about the Chabad rabbi that I met? You know, you know what touched me? He looked at me, he talked to me face to face. He didn't feel like he was better than me. He didn't judge me. I felt like he looked at me like, 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 like a brother, like, like a Jew. That term means judge at the person favorably. Look, don't look at the action. Look at him as a person. There's someone here just like you. And this is the meaning of the story of Rabbi Akiva. I'm concluding with this, Josh. Rabbi Akiva was also reincarnation. Who is the reincarnation of? Of Yaakov. Rachel was reincarnation of Rachel, the wife of Yaakov. And Rabbi Akiva was reincarnation of Yaakov. So in their previous incarnation, what happened? Yaakov meets Rachel. Where does he meet her by? By a well. Torah says that there was a well, there was a big stone in the well, and no one could take off the stone. And then Yaakov comes and takes the stone off as if it's nothing. What's a stone? We have a similar story to Rabbi Akiva in a stone. No story of Rabbi Akiva in the stone? Rabbi Akiva is, is walking with, his, and, and he, he's told he should study Torah, to study Torah. Rabbi Akiva says, me study Torah? And then he sees something amazing. He sees water dripping on a stone, and the water dripped through the stone. The water went all the way through, it was going on for years. He saw there's a hole in the stone. And he thought to himself, that if the water could penetrate the stone, the Torah could penetrate my heart. If I keep on studying Torah, it's going to come in. So Rabbi Kiva, he realized his greatness. Rachel helped him cut through his own stone, his own heart, and believe in himself. And previous incarnation, Rachel was the opposite. Rachel was a rose among thorns. She was living in a very terrible spiritual environment with her own, with, with her father Lavan. Terrible. And so, what happens is in the previous incarnation, Yaakov takes off the stone. The stone represents the evil inclination. Yaakov helps Rachel. He removes the stone from her in the previous incarnation. And so to the next incarnation, Rachel helps Rabbi Kiva. She helps Yaakov, who is now Rabbi Kiva, discover who he is. Bottom line is, we have to realize that we're connected. Connected to each other. Connected to Hashem. And it's precisely in those things that, that we think that are our worst enemies. Imagine if we realize those things in our life which are our enemies, they're our best friends. Hashem gave us these challenges because He believes in us. You know what kind of life we would have if we knew what the challenges were about? We wouldn't look at ourselves so down because of the mistakes we made. Imagine if we judge ourselves favorably and realize that the challenges that we have, they're actually, Hashem believes in us. We'll live, we'll live a different life. We'll live, we'll, we'll live a happier life. And that's the key. Last line, I want to talk, I want to, talk to Josh. That's the key of how to prepare for the coming year making a spiritual accounting of where we are. The key is to believe in ourselves and to believe in the people in our life, to see our inner goodness and to believe in it and to know that Hashem giving us challenges because He believes in us and, he, and He's expecting us to, uh, to find Him where to find him where we are in the circumstances that weren't exactly where they are, as difficult as they are. That's what He, he believes in us to find him there until, until we find the revelation of Mashiach when Hashem will be revealed in the whole world any questions or comments or criticisms tomatoes or cucumbers